Hi guys, it's Irene and welcome to ILO on Location episode four. Today on the show, I am joined by my fabulous and talented friend, Kathy Wilmot. Kathy is not only an incredible stage actress who dominates the musical theater scene all over BC, she is also an educator for the theater department at Capilano University. Kathy holds a Bachelor of Performing Arts from Capilano University and a Master's of Fine Arts and Voice from the Boston Conservatory. She'll be my awesome guest today, and we are going to talk about everything from her stage career to her teaching career, as well as touch on the current state of the arts and how the coronavirus has a affected the entertainment industry and its participants, as well as discuss mental health and how awareness can be helpful for oneself as well as others. So stick around for my conversation with Kathy. Welcome to the ILO on Location podcast. I'm your host, Irene Karis Loper. That's ILO for short. And my podcast is all about having fun, connecting with your friends, and breaking shit down. Guys, I'm practically halfway to 100, and when I look around at my circle of friends, I see the most incredible women. They make me laugh out loud, they support me through everything, and they inspire me with their amazingness. So, join me on my couch, grab a bottle of rosé, and let me bring you the gift of the gab to brighten your day. Cheers, girl. Cheers. Oh, it's so nice to see you. You too. Yay. Oh, my God. So, okay. So for my listeners, I'm very excited today because I have the amazing Kathy Wilmot on the line with me live from her home in Vancouver. This is my first live local call. I've been doing international calls up until today. You're my first live local call. Kathy Wilmot is my friend and colleague from Mamma Mia. We met uh, two summers ago. Well, we've known each other throughout the industry and the theater scene for years, but we actually became friends and co-workers playing Rosie and Tanya in Mamma Mia at the Stanley Theater Arts Club Company in the summer of 2018 and obviously became fast friends. We had the best time and I reference Kathy as hashtag freaking frat. Yeah. <laughs> to pretty yes, much sum absolutely. it up. So yes, Kathy is yes. joining me today and we're going to talk about a few things. Kathy's um, obviously an A-list theater stage performer. She's also an educator, a vocal coach, and she has her master's and we're going to cover a whole bunch of things today. So um, enjoy and welcome Kathy live from her white backdrop in Thank Vancouver. You. So let's talk about your teaching first remotely from home. So how's that going? Like what happened? Yeah, so we we had just come back from reading break. We'd had reading break in February and we didn't really know what the whole COVID thing was. The university said, don't come in and teach anymore. We're going to transition to online learning as of next week. So the following week. So I had like a few days to kind of figure out online learning, right. so figure out Zoom, um, you start thinking about, well, 
you know, it's, it's rare that you stand six feet apart from your That's acting right. partner That's right. or your instructor, you know, mm-hmm. there's 30 or 20 people in a small studio mm-hmm. doing floor work and touching everything. So it was like, okay, all right, everything is online. And wow. So yeah, it just happened so quickly. And we're... it's, it, you know, it's interesting teaching online, teaching acting, mm-hmm. it's, you can do it, but you definitely lose a bit of the you know, interacting and talking and connecting and yeah. that kind of thing. So you were for sure one of the first people to kind of quarantine and work from home, stay home and kind of make that adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So what is it like with the students? Because so for anyone who's listening, Kathy is a teacher at Capilano University in the musical theater program. And tell us a little bit about your background with your educating and your um, master's of fine arts and that sort of specific area that you're trained in. And then tell us a little bit about what it is you're doing right now in a regular day-to-day at at the Capilano University. Sure. So I started teaching um, 13 years ago and I actually was teaching, um, I was an educational assistant and EA Mm -hmm. for elementary schools and high schools, uh, working with those kids with special needs, mostly those on the spectrum Mm -hmm. um, and diverse medical needs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then after that, I, you know, somewhere along the line, I was realizing, you know, at nearing the age of 40, my body wouldn't be able to maintain this job you know, till mm-hmm. I was 60 lifting mm-hmm. kids in and out of wheelchairs. And I, I, so I thought, well, I'm going to go back to school because I hadn't quite finished my degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I finished my fourth year. I ended up doing something called a bachelor of performing arts at Capilano. And then, you know, in the middle of that, I was like, you know, why don't I just go do my master's? It was something I'd always sort of thought about going back to school because mm-hmm. I always wanted to, to teach in a university. Um, and so I just like on a whim, put my application into three schools and all of them were like, I want to call them my white whale schools. Like I was like, I'm (laughs) never going to get into these things (laughs) like total whim. Uh, And I ended up getting into the Boston conservatory, which is like a top five school. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, totally surprised. Um, literally packed up my life, sold my apartment, moved to America, um, spent two years doing grad school, doing a a master's in musical theater. And then as I had an accident, not an accident, but I got injured twice during grad school. And so I had to change. I couldn't dance anymore. Um, So I switched into like a vocal pedagogy uh, focused Part. Right. Um, and they were really, they, they lovingly adapted for me because I wasn't able to dance anymore. Right. Um, so I have a master's in musical theater with a minor in vocal pedagogy, oh. teaching a voice basically. Which is what every so, yeah. actor and singer requires and needs to be skilled at is sounding amazing. <laughs> yeah. And having longevity it, with their voice. Exactly. You know, as you work in multiple, you know, we all have our fingers in many side mm-hmm, hustles mm-hmm. as you do as artists. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think is very beneficial of me being an artist who also teaches other artists mm-hmm. is that, you know, we learn things as we, it, with each show comes a new learning experience right. or a takeaway or something mm-hmm. you're like, God, I wish I knew this when I was mm-hmm. 18, when I was 20, like right. I would have had 
longer, long, maybe some more longevity in something. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, the biggest thing I can pass on to students is how to self-advocate. You know what I mean? Because sometimes we go, well, I can't say no, because I don't want them to never cast me again. I'm like, well, there's a, there's that fine line. of When do you need to advocate for yourself? Because you need to work for the rest of your career. That's right. And when do you need to advocate for yourself or, or step back and go, yep. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for the note. So you can have longevity and not give yourself a vocal injury or a physical body injury or a mental injury. Yeah. I think that's where you and I do really well is like, okay, this isn't going well. Let's run this. Yeah. Let's fit. Like, how do we, how do we think I'm making it work? You know, this, this always the hope is that you're, um, helping rather than hindering. What came first for Kathy when you were young, you know, young lady, young girl, was Uh it that were you pursuing the teaching career or the theatrical career first? Oh, at the same time, was one a priority over the other? Um, I, I think I started, I started out singing. I always wanted to sing. I knew I really loved that. And you know, when you're, um, maybe eight, nine, 10, and you're getting, you know, I sang in church choir and people will come up and go, you have such a lovely voice, Mm -hmm. that sort of attention that, you Mm -hmm. know, you're like, Oh, do I? Well, thank you. I think I was always a bossy boots. Um, so people had said, you should be a teacher. And I was like, (laughs) nah, I want to be a singer. You know, when I graduated mid nineties and, uh, decided to go to acting school, I really loved musical theater, but there wasn't at that time a musical theater program. Mm -hmm. So I went to Douglas college and did their acting program. Uh, as soon as I graduated, I ended up getting a job at dinner theater right away. Yeah. And so, and it was a paying gig. Oh yeah. We've all done it. Oh yeah. So, and I was able luckily to do that like for 10 years. Mm -hmm. I stayed doing dinner theater, professional dinner theater for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, but at, you know, during that time I had gotten married, bought a house, you're planning on having a family and somewhere in there, I thought, okay, well, I guess I should have a quote unquote real job, whatever that means Mm -hmm. with benefits and all these things, smart, you know, uh, you know, uh, and so I ended up thinking, well, the only thing that had ever really like brought me joy beyond performing and singing. Um, I used to be like, um, uh, my elementary school where I grew up mm-hmm. had a special needs program in it. And I was like a lunch buddy for a few of the oh. kids as I grew up. And I was like, I really love doing that. So I researched, did some research and found a program that literally was like right beside our oh house. The college was like five minutes down the road. Uh, so I did that. And then I started teaching special ed or working as mm-hmm, an aide. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved that. And so I do that during the day and then I do theater at, yeah, night, at night and it was a really nice balance. And then, you know, as life happens, got divorced, mm-hmm. sold my house, <laughs> ended up doing more and more theater and more and more, you know, right. just trying to balance the life of both, both jobs and then decided, you know, somewhere along the way to go back to school. And then, then Boston then was like, here that we was go. my mid thirties. Yeah. yeah right. And here we are. Because, yeah. you know, sometimes they just having that, that balance with a secondary income or a subsidiary income, um, something that you're still passionate about and enjoy yeah. doing, I think can be um, an asset to your performance career because it kind of frees you up for not having to always be stressed on getting that next contract. So if you don't get the part, 
you're not going to starve. And I think that's, um, lucky kind of thing to have in your wheelhouse, you know, it's a double, Absolutely. double career. Well, and it's one of those interesting dichotomies where you go, did I, did I give up? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As a, as a performer, I go, well, okay, well now I don't have to hustle. And I use that word very lightly, mm-hmm. um, that I don't have to hustle as more for mm-hmm. the jobs as much. If I didn't have that backup, would I have been further in my performance career? Right. Right. If, if I didn't have that other job, but then there's part of me of like, I'm, I'm happy that I don't have to do the, the everyday hustle right. as an artist. And, and there's no, you know, everyone has to find their own path, their own everything. But for me, it was a nice balance of stability because of my, you know, sometimes crippling anxiety of mm-hmm. like really stressing out about how I'm going to eat mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. how I'm going to pay my bills and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. So I found something that worked for me. Right. And I also yeah. feel that sometimes, yes, I can understand that you think, oh God, had I been, had to work harder to get that next gig, would, would my life be different or would my career be different? But then, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda. And at the end of the day, totally. are you living a happy lifestyle day to day? Plus one thing I always found helpful or, um, calming for me, having myself a subsidiary career in production, which we'll talk about on one of my future episodes with some of my producers and production managers is it actually freed me up to being able to be selective of where I did spend my time because Anybody who knows in the theater, film, television world, when you're in, you're in, whether it's one day on set or six weeks on stage or reoccurring lead role on a, on a series, you are in 150%. There is nothing else available that you can focus on when you're, you're, you're in a contract. And so sometimes if you are having to go feast or famine, you have to commit to roles and projects that you're not necessarily excited about just because, um, you know, you got to pay your rent. So I think there's sort of the positive is it lets you be more selective on where you want to commit creatively and gives you a little more control over that as well. So it's kind of got both its sides, positive and negative. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. It frees, it freed me up to, yeah, be selective and just, Mm -hmm. you know, reconnect with my family because, you know, in dinner theater, I ended up working every single weekend Mm -hmm. for 10 years. Mm -hmm. You miss all the birthdays, all the weddings, Mm -hmm. all the everything. And so, yeah, it was really nice to just like figure out what I wanted and, you know, so who was I wanting to be as an artist? Would you also think that, I mean, you, I, th- I feel are another woman slash, um, actress slash teacher that also knows her brand really well. You, and I feel you and I also share this, that we yeah. don't go through life and auditions, you know, looking to be the ingenue necessarily. We're going for the character roles. We know our brand and that also those kinds of roles aren't in every show. Our type isn't necessarily on every main stage and every play. So, you know what? I think having a side gig and a side career will be a great balance for me. Um, I wish I knew that at, at 20, you know, I think figuring out my brand came with auditioning for literally everything right? and then not getting some of those roles and going, well, why didn't I get that? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, slowly you go, oh, I see the roles I've been cast in. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And then, you know, and more and more you start figuring out who you are as a human and Mm -hmm. go, 
you know, you either buy into the branding of yourself Mm -hmm. or you, you know, I know my skill set now at 43, like I know what I bring to the table and not everyone's going to buy what I'm selling. Right. Um, and I think in our industry, you know, when you know you're a character role, you're like, great. Right. (laughs) I, I know. Yeah. I know those parts I'm going to audition for and kill. Yeah. And in our, in our city too, you know, as the more, the more you progress through your career, the more you see the same people at the auditions. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, it's coming down to you or the other four ladies, but when it's always the five of you, six of you, whatever at the auditions, yeah, like there's no more, like, I don't know. I feel like, how do I say this? The competition doesn't really exist anymore. Like I'm always happy when I get a part, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm, I'm grateful because I, I think, well, I did it, but also I know I'm in the pool of women who can all do it too, who are so fucking Mm -hmm. talented Mm -hmm. that it's like, you know, when, when you get a part, I'm like, yes, queen. Oh, great. And when I get it, I know you're going to be like, amazing. Good for you. Right. Totally. 100%. Yeah. Because there's only so many parts and there's so many women, right? Right. So it's just when it's your time, it's your time. And our industry is, um, and the women in our industry that we know all are so supportive. We're actually, (laughs) we're pretty lucky in that regards that it isn't cutthroat. And I mean, God knows what they're saying behind our backs. Let's just assume (laughs) 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 nothing but amazingness about us. However, um, But do you, you yeah. do you think though, that part of your confidence being able to go into the room was also that like you're established as an educator, does that add to your confidence knowing, okay, you know what? I'm going to go in and I'm going to do my best and I'm going to have the best time with that teaching career kind of transpose into your artistry as well. Bless. You know, I wish I had it all together. And I know, you know, when you see people from the outside, you're like, God, they have their shit together. Right. And then, you know, on the inside, they're they're like, "Ah." yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I actually, I think for the first couple of years teaching, as I think most people starting new paths, I had imposter syndrome, like Mm. so bad. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no clue. Uh, It's impossible to know everything in your line of work. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's hubris if you think, you know, absolutely everything about our business because it's constantly evolving and, and changing and it's, and it's a lively art, right? Mm -hmm. So it's living, breathing. Um, but I do think the one thing having a master's Mm -hmm. and teaching in university, I think it changes my attitude when I go into the room and again, this is me and my opinion, um, is I don't feel like I'm, uh, I I need to get this job because I need to eat. And so I think I may enter the room Mm -hmm. besides a little neurotic because I'm just always neurotic in auditions, but maybe a little more relaxed. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not feeling as desperate because Mm -hmm. I know that I have job security and (laughs) touch wood, um, with all this COVID stuff going on. But yeah, I think I can enter the room with a little more uh, calmness. So when you're teaching these young artists, does this ever come up? Like just sort of sharing with students, you know, Hey, if there's another skill set, you smart to have something else under your belt, or does that not really come up? 
No, I think um, I, I usually don't bring it up if they ask questions near the end of the year. It's like a big open. Any questions you have about anything, the mm-hmm. business, the world. Right. So if they ask all of us working at Capilano are working professionals. Yes. All of us are in the industry. Yes. And I, I think that's one of the, the great things about the education we provide is all of us are mm-hmm. current on our skills and still working and still you know, taking time off to do a show or to be in a show or on film. Um, so we're all very relevant, which is sort of rare in this, you know, industry. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm very lucky, but I do think it's good to be, uh, to just say, you know, you're, you are going to have side hustles. This industry is tough. And Mm -hmm. so you need to be able to figure out what are you going to do in the downtime? Mm-hmm. Do you create your own work? Mm-hmm. Are you waitressing or bartending or making those sweet tips? Mm-hmm. Is there something else you are? Are you really good at editing film? Maybe mm-hmm. that's your side hustle mm-hmm. or Keeping. anything. Mm-hmm. The thing about the arts is like, if you're an artist, you're an artist. Right. Right. Because accounting is artistry. Right. I don't want like I can't do it, but there's an artistry in that. Right. So what with this whole coronavirus and the teaching scenario, as you mentioned earlier, right now you're doing the online for a short amount of time and then they go into their finals. Do you normally have the summer off as an educator at this like this time coming up or would you be working throughout the summer? Like what happens with your teaching career because of the virus, besides the fact that you're having to teach from home? Right. Because of the virus, we're just not sure. Like, obviously, we're not going back to the university. But at this point, do you do you don't know what the future is of the the program come September at this time? No, nobody knows. Only because, you know, there's there's talk that we may continue to do online in September. But until, you know, we have to wait to get our information from the government because we have to adhere to government laws and. Wow. Is it essential uh, service or considered not, it's not essential service? It's Higher education is not considered. Okay. I want to know what's coming yes. up ahead, yep. but we are in such an unknown yeah. time. I'm happy to just do week by week yep. and not think too far ahead Yes, because for me, that gets a little overwhelming. Right. Right. And you sometimes totally. have highs and lows with anxiety. And so now you know how to manage it. And it's not, I don't need to think about what I'm doing in July or October. I'm just going for the next few weeks. I'm I, like, I know what's, what, what, mm-hmm. what I know what's ahead of me until the end of April. Yeah. And then I'm not sure what May looks like. And also a big list of projects to work on. Yeah. It, yeah. And nobody does. It, I feel like I'm doing what everyone's doing is, you mm-hmm. know, you have that list of projects of things that you've mm-hmm. like, Oh, if I get, if I ever have time. Right. All right. You're adapting like, and yeah, making it yeah. work. Yeah. But I exactly. do, um, I think it's just great to hear with your, you know, double career, just that it's an interesting way to sort of manage both of your passions and support yourself. And, yeah. and it sounds like it just kind of came naturally and worked out to be a really good partnership for you. Totally. And I, I, I'm a big believer in you have to follow your passions mm-hmm. and teaching and performing are definitely two of mine. Yeah. And I can't see myself. I mean, I, I think all of us have had varied careers, mm-hmm. you know, We've all worked, oh, at least I worked in retail. I worked in the serving industry. Right. I bartended. I've mm-hmm. done, mm-hmm. you know, 
none of them made me happy. Right. Performing, performing and teaching make me like, so I feel so passionate about both those things. I love that. I'm very happy to have landed in that. I would love to um, be at audit one of your classes and just listen to Miss Kathy Wilmot talk to her students. Guys, are you single and looking for love? Do you have that one fabulous friend who just can't find the right partner? Are you a senior who thinks it's too late to get back in the dating game but would really love to meet someone? Then I want to hear from you. ILO on Location presents Sundays on the Couch with Irene, episodes dedicated to connecting singles with other singles. The best part is I get to be your first date. Doesn't that sound like fun? Interested? Then head over to my website's contact page at www.irenecares.com forward slash contact and send me an email telling me about you. I already know you're fabulous since you're listening. Could there be a podcast love connection out there? Absolutely. You never know who might be listening to you. Anyone and everyone is welcome, no matter who and what you're into. And if you want to keep your name a secret for our listeners, that's okay too. ILO on location, connecting singles with other singles from the couch. Let's shift gears just a little. Okay. Let's talk about Kathy's performing career. You have done a ton of theater. Like, and you have worked all over BC. When you look at your body of work, Kathy, it's pretty extensive. (laughs) So you're welcome. So let's just talk a little bit about some of your favorite shows or favorite roles or what drew you to musical theater other than singing. Like, tell us a little bit about your start to the musical theater industry, but after dinner theater. Yeah. So one of the, um, I auditioned for applause musicals. Mm, in Scott, Scott Ash yeah. and Swan, we Scott love you. Shout out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first thing I did. They were doing a musical called Do Re Mi. And I ended up booking The Ingenue, which was Thank hilarious you. to me because I was like, I'm not an ingenue. I'm a character <laughs> actress. Right. Never say never. Um, Right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think I did Hedwig and the Angry Inch. And then I did Anything Goes. Oh, what uh, part did you play in Anything Goes? Oh, I played, uh, oh God, what was her name? Irma. Irma, Irma Vap. And then, and then I just was like really, really lucky to just keep getting shows. Yeah. And I, you know, mostly performed in musicals. I've done everything from operetta to contemporary musical theater. Um, right. Some of my favorites, though, Theater Under the Stars, I did Legally Blonde with oh, Val Easton. Oh, yes. You were so fabulous in that. that I, that's when I knew you, but you didn't. we didn't know each other. We weren't friends, but I saw you and you were fabulous. Oh, thank you. I was lucky to do that two years in a row because it came back right. the summer. That's right. And then I was... Uh, uh, one of my other favorite roles, well, there's many. Yeah. My God, so many. Uh, I love playing Mrs. Lovett and Sweeney Todd. Oh, that's a great role. It was many moons ago, like 2010, I think I played mm-hmm. Mrs. Lovett. Mm-hmm. I just, I would do that part anytime, mm-hmm. anywhere. Yeah. I love it. A couple of years later, after Legally Blonde, oh, we did Les Mis at the Arts Club. Oh. And that's like one of my all-time favorite yes, shows. Yes, I saw you in that as well. I, Amazing. Yeah. And again, I would do that one mm-hmm. anytime, mm-hmm. anywhere. Mm-hmm. Love that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I've been really lucky that... Yep. 
you know, to have you it. always go into an audition hoping. And yeah. then when you get it, yeah. you're just like, oh, wow, it's so exciting. It is so exciting. Yeah. And then in Vancouver, in, in our industry, there's, you know, a handful of stages. It's not like there's a ton of main stages to actually get work. So when when you do, it's always so thrilling and like such a, a joy because, of course, you know, it's hard to book those jobs. It's unfortunate, you know, with this whole coronavirus, our industry is at a major standstill. So tell us a little bit about that, Kathy, because right now, if I'm correct, you were going to finish school and go right into rehearsals for Beauty and the Beast on Shemanus, um, playing the wardrobe. And so yes. what happened with that contract? Um, so as of now, it's been pushed back. Um, they haven't canceled the show yet. I oh. think they're one of the only theater companies to not have canceled their summer show yet. Oh, that's so, good. So we're kind of on hold. Okay. Like, we may start rehearsals in June, but we may not. Um, as of yet, it's it's a wait and see from the provincial government and the government to see when they relax the gatherings of 50 or more. And, you know, I'm trying to be optimistic that the contract will happen, but I'm also very realistic that right. it, it may not because a lot of their audience is older. Is older. Yeah. Patrons, older patrons. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I hope it continues in some way, but it is a, yeah, I think a lot of theater companies are either restructuring mm -hmm. from what I hear, restructuring, mm -hmm. re, uh, moving, reorganizing mm -hmm. their schedule. Mm -hmm. So the shows still happen, maybe just a, a later date. Is Beauty and the Beast and that character, the wardrobe, which is such a fabulous um, role, <laughs> such a fabulous character. Is that one that you've had on your list? Have you played it before? Or is this like one of the ones that you wanted to play? I haven't played it before, but I definitely have in every musical I love, there's usually like one or two parts. Yeah. I'm like, oh, right. I'd love to play that part. Right. Yeah. The, the wardrobe was definitely. Yeah on my list. Oh. So uh, yeah, I'm so excited. Well, let's... And I've, I've wanted to work with Shemanus for a long time. Oh yeah. They're with a great Mark company. And, yeah. and they do, they have an amazing, like long contract as an artist. That's like a nice one to book because you get, you know, weeks and Four weeks months. Of, yeah. yeah. Well, I just hope the government is realizing how valuable the arts are mm -hmm. to society and to our communities. And they start doing a little more funding. Right. Um, lo locally, provincially, across Canada, mm -hmm. um, you know, supporting smaller companies and really funding the way they are. I mean, here in Vancouver, um, the Arts Alliance, each municipality, mm -hmm. each city, each has its own uh, funding, but so right. does each province and Canada's. Okay. Right. And it is governed by Canada Council. Okay. We have BC Alliance for the Arts and I think something else. Um, but right now they're deciding whether the arts will be funded next year or <gasps> if they're going to send that funding elsewhere to where it's needed. Wow. But as artists wow. who are self-employed and don't give money for employment insurance potentially mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. you know, are, are relying on grants and uh, provincial funding mm -hmm. to help support their income right. and their wages and living. That's, you know, what do you do? You know, there's so many memes going around about buy local, support local. Mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm. when this is all over, go see a show. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Go support your local yeah. artists. Yeah. Go buy some painting, buy some, pay for music on Spotify or iTunes. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone is turning to the arts right now. Yeah. I that that <laughs> continues. I've seen everything on Netflix. Financial support. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Just want to circle back because, um, 
when I asked you some of your favorite roles in shows, one that you did not mention was was Rosie and Mama fucking Mia. Rosie and Mama Mia. This is okay, where I should throw the phone against the wall because <laughs> I heard about Legally Blonde. I heard about Sweeney Todd. I'm like, okay, I don't care about any of that. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> Just kidding. Because it is probably the more recent of yes. Um, It is by far one of my favorites, <laughs> mostly because you and I got to be complete and utter idiots on stage we had the best the time. best time the best time the- and we were in that show for so long like that's probably what do we do 110 shows yeah that's the longest run yeah. i think i had done me too you know besides uh, dinner theater tony and tin is waiting for me in dinner theater absolutely for you. yeah but you, you know you're not there eight shows a week you're there like that's a few true. times a week yeah. and you're in and out but yeah doing that show like i think as <laughs> Yeah, it by yeah. far was one of I my know. favorites, but I think because it's so recent, yes. I'm still living in the yeah, me glow too. of it. Me too, me too. You know what I, I mean? mean? I'm, I'm totally, like- I'm totally teasing you at the same time. But no, I was like that show. <laughs> we all know Kathy and Irene would love a remount. Oh, let's not we, even now we, come on I, if anybody's listening phone the arts club and tell them we want to remount with us in it of course everybody here's in it. the thing this- irene here's the thing <laughs> both you and i are at the youngest age of those two characters so we do yes. have another good like 15 20 yes. years to play those yes. roles yes and it is just so much fun i i feel like i would cry every night like just to being excited to go out and do it and like we were never bored we were always like when we were laughing and you know having the best time we always were like i can't think of like one time or performance where like we ever weren't just having a party on stage absolutely (laughs) i mean seriously And, and to be clear though we were still doing our jobs yes. every night. Yes. We would hit the stage. Oh, we were doing our yeah. jobs, delivering our lines, hitting our marks. That was so fun. Like that literally, <laughs> we're so lucky we got to do that show. And I mean, that was a hot ticket. It was a hot ticket to book. And absolutely, know, Scouts, yeah. we got it. And I was, that was a thrill, a total highlight thrill. of my career. Yeah, so me far, too. Highlight sure. of my career too, for sure. Yeah. And all my and friends. And of course and I got to work with you. Oh, yeah, of course. And we became freaking frack, freaking frack. But for anybody listening, uh, Kathy and I are fully available. And right after COVID, right after COVID, yeah, schedules are wide. And I have a cabaret or a like 45 minute show called Eating My Feelings. Amazing. I think you and I touched on this in the dressing room that you were going to do act one of the cabaret Eating Your Feelings. And I was going to do part two Campfire Cabaret of all the roles I didn't get. And that was our cabaret show, which actually, Kathy, freaking frack, I think I'm going to add that onto the list is maybe you and I schedule a business business meeting as freaking frack, the two act cabaret, which would (laughs) eventually turn into a cruise ship gig when the cruise ship industry comes back. I'm trademark. We're trademarking it right now. Yeah. Freaking frack back to back. Oh, snap. (laughs) Snap. Freaking frack back to back. That just happened on Ilo on location from my couch. Kathy Wilmot, done. (laughs) 
Done. Let's give ourselves a two-year timeline. That's two pressure. years. I got this written. It's in my head. I'm okay. Ready to go. Okay. Done. Coming well, to you in three weeks. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. I'll start cleansing for it then. Oh God. That's so funny. <laughs> cleansing. I've already put on my quarantine 15. Okay. I gotta lose like now I gotta lose 30 pounds. Oh, oh god. my god. Is that what it's called now? The quarantine 15? The quarantine 15. Oh like, my god, I haven't heard 15. that. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Well, I mean, I've raised my rose game, but um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want to shift gears again. And of course, um, one of the things I am trying to sort of focus on lightly and here and there on my episodes is bringing awareness to mental health. I just thought you could sort of talk about mental health into whatever capacity you're comfortable with, whether it's talking about your anxieties a little bit or an experience about mental health into whatever capacity you'd like. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a huge part of, um, my life. And I think as artists, it's becoming more and more prevalent. The conversation is happening daily and, Mm. uh, the way we approach making art has shifted in the last year, uh, and in the last few years, but it's definitely been more of a highlight this year. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think that whole, the show must go on adage, which we all know, Mm -hmm. uh, gets harder the, the more we struggle with mental health issues. I, I do suffer from anxiety. It's manageable. Mm-hmm. You know, I, ha- I'm, I have, I medicate. I I'm aware of the things that trigger my anxiety and I, I'm using trigger lightly. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but I know my, I know my body will feel it before I'm aware of it. And so mm-hmm. I just really have to pay attention to those signs that mm-hmm. I sometimes push away and go, Oh no, that's, that's anxiety. I'm feeling that right now and I have to just really tune into some of those things um, and know where to put uh, to place boundaries in mm-hmm. my both in my professional career, um, in my private life mm-hmm. and in my family life and know when to step away and um, not feeling like I have to apologize. Right. For so those things. Did you, had you always had issues with anxiety as a young girl or was it something that kind of was in your thirties or all your life? Is it something that somebody put a label on for you and diagnosed you to help you with medication or even asking those questions? Like when did you become aware, aware that you even had an anxiety issue? Um, I think I've, I've always had some low grade anxiety. I didn't know what the name was. I just knew I like had these ideas in my head and felt certain ways, but mm-hmm. didn't have the language to figure that out. Mm-hmm. So I went to my doctor to be like, hi, I'm having these things about anxiety. And he was like, yeah, that's, you have a bit of an anxiety disorder. And I was like, right. oh, that makes so much more sense. Right, now. right, right, and, right. Yeah. And, and then I, I talked to some counselors about mm-hmm. it you know, warning signs of what to look for and what that may feel like or look like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, knowing that it's different for every person right, right, and how they process things. But yeah, it, I think it was more in my later thirties where I really started acknowledging it and sitting with it, like right. not pushing it away, but being able to be like, Oh, that's an interesting thing that just happened. Mm-hmm. What was that? What was I feeling that? Why was I really short with that person? Or why was I, why did I shut down and not say anything at all? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you so, can feel it in your body when you say, what does it, it feel it, like? It shows up in different ways. For me, sometimes I feel like I have to shut down to cope. 
Mm-hmm. Like, and I literally will just stop talking, stop thinking. I'll just like draw myself inwards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sometimes I get this feeling like it's too much. So like my heart rate will accelerate, feel like I can't breathe. And I know that sounds like the beginning of a panic attack, but like, I'll get really sweaty and I feel like I can't settle down. Ooh, like I feel yeah. like I have to do a million things at once and yet I can't do one thing at all. And so when I get that feeling and it, it gets to that point where like, you know, you have to cry, but you can't. You right, know what I mean, you right. need that release mm-hmm, mm-hmm, or, or mm-hmm. whatever that is. And so when I get to that point, I just say to everyone, all right, I'm going to uh, withdraw for a bit. Right. I'll contact you when I'm ready. And take your time out to whatever and, you need. And, yeah. And, and take, take my time to myself. Right. And did you think that took time to sort of figure out how to cope with that? Like, let's say you're a teacher and you got to teach a class tomorrow online or at the school, or you've got rehearsal from 10 to six, or you've got a performance and you've got to be on in 30 minutes. Like, how did you manage your, how did you manage your awareness to it and work through it in times when you couldn't make the choice to shut down? Good question. I don't know if I fully figured that out yet. Oh, to okay. be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think for me, because performing is so, uh, gives you that high, you know what I mean? Like it's so euphoric Mm -hmm. that Mm. some of that anxiety gets put to the side. Right. Because you're feeling the energy of the audience. Yeah. I want to use that analogy of you really have to pee. You really have to pee and you hit the stage and you're just in that moment and you forget that you have to go to the bathroom and you get off stage and you're like, oh my God, I need to pee. But that whole three minutes, Mm -hmm. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you're on stage, no recollection Mm -hmm. of like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For me, that's the same with anxiety. I know I'm going on stage. So there's a way for me to, I maybe compartmentalize that, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which may not be healthy, but for me, it's given me some coping skills to be like, okay, I, I acknowledge you. I'm going to deal with you later. So for someone young and perhaps even in one of your students or a niece or nephew or just anybody in the younger generation, I, I, is that something that you would say, Hey, you know what? You seem to be withdrawing or you're over excited or anxious, but you should talk to somebody about that. Like, how does it present itself to know that it's serious? Um, I think for me, especially if you've been teaching someone for a while, like let's say a month, you, you notice, um, if you're intuitive and that for me, I, I am a person that, uh, feel, I want to say I'm an empath because I'm not, Mm -hmm. but I feel when things are off, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? You can Mm -hmm. sense something. And Mm so I usually start lessons with how is your week? How are you doing? How Mm -hmm. are you feeling? Mm -hmm. Um, what have you worked on? And usually if I, I hear, I didn't get a chance to work on something. That's a pretty good indicator that something's gone on in their week that they weren't able to manage Ah. even half an hour of rehearsal. Right. So then I go, okay, what's going on for you? Um, and you know, I I think you can't work if you have something pressing, right. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's hard to do functional rehearsal. I know there's people out there who can do these things for me. It's hard to have rehearsal or be present when there's something Mm -hmm. in the back, in the background. Mm -hmm. And so I find it's just good to like put that in the room and say, if you, if you want to talk, I'm here. I'm happy to walk you somewhere. If you would like to talk to someone right. else, um, if you're not prepared to work today, uh, you know, talk to me yeah. next week and we'll rearrange yeah. a makeup or something. Right. Like, I think we just have to be so hyper aware 
that we don't know what's happening in people's lives. Do you think you're hyper aware because of your own personal experiences or is that something like the colleges today actually talk about to their faculty? Like, is it something that is brought into the class as brought up with students or is it something you just personally feel comfortable talking about and addressing in those areas? I think because I have my own struggles, I bring it up. Mm -hmm. I think that because uh, I notice things, I bring it up, but this is a conversation that only really started this year in the college where it was like, Hey, we actually got some specific, training about what to do, okay. who to contact, who do we talk to. Mm-hmm. But up until this year, it was sort of like, you know, a, a, a professional development thing. But right. This year was mandatory to oh, start attending okay. these mental health. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think, uh, as I was saying a bit earlier, it's really becoming more prevalent mm-hmm. each, each year goes by. It's becoming more of an open topic of conversation. Yeah, yeah. Whereas two years ago, we didn't really talk about mental mm-hmm. health yeah, right. much at all, you know, besides Bell's one day where you like yeah. reach out for mental health, but mental health is an everyday ongoing struggle. Yeah. You do hear, you know, that it's now becoming more of an open dialogue and an open conversation, which I think is so important as, you know, for anybody that struggles to not feel embarrassed about it. Like even for you to be open to discussing that you have, you know, issues with anxiety and you have to follow your body and manage them. Not a lot of people might've been open to talking about that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, years ago it was like, it was viewed as there's something wrong with me, but you don't want to admit that there's some, something wrong. Right. And I'm, I'm right. air quoting, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Or why am I never happy or why mm-hmm. don't I find fulfillment in things mm-hmm. or whatever that looks like for different people. Right. Well, and, and I just think, like you were saying, it's so hard from a, people just didn't talk about that stuff five yeah. years ago or yeah. even three years ago. Mm-hmm. It was just sort of like the side conversation. And now it's so much at the forefront mm-hmm. of things we talk about, especially in the arts. Yeah. Oh God. Especially um, in the arts, our industry, rejection and insecurities and egos. And it's a crazy one for sure. Yeah. And if you're playing a character with these things, like where do you even begin to have those conversations. Right. Oh, you mean if a character and you have to deep dive deep into that psyche of that character, how do you get right. out of that? Yeah. Because there never used to be a conversation of, okay, so you're playing someone who's a sociopath. Mm-hmm. How do you get out of that at the end? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like at the end of the night, when I know we're all told to like, okay, you, you change into your clothes and you leave that right. behind, but some of us can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. not, some of us not don't have those skills. Well, I I think what I always found interesting when I was in acting class and it was a common conversation to discuss therapy and like people, it was not a a negative to be like, oh yeah, I went to therapy or whereas before then I would feel like, oh my God, you didn't even want to talk about it if you went to therapy. Like I remember I I went to therapy, got good old Beatrice and totally changed my outlook on being able to be vulnerable and open with men and like be honest and not insecure and be able to fall in love and not be afraid. I mean, that was a big thing, but there were times when you wouldn't talk about that before. And now it's, you know, open conversation. People will, aren't embarrassed and say, oh yeah, I'm in counseling. Like even I went to grief counseling after my nephew passed away or it's like no big deal. It's like everybody, if you can afford it or you have it with your extended healthcare, it's worth it just for a check-in on your own self. Even if you don't have any problems, you're feeling great. 
Absolutely. And for those people that aren't making a lot of money, it is covered by um, BC Health. Is it? Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. 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 Because that's like, I feel like you go for a workout, you go for a manicure, you go for your hair color. Why shouldn't you go for a brain massage, which is, you know, twice a year check-in with a professional. Absolutely. To talk shit up. Yes, exactly. I think, I, you know, we're only human Mm -hmm. and we're not given a book at the beginning of like what to do when. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like you said, you reach out to professionals when you need the manicure. Like I'm Mm -hmm. not going to do it at myself because it doesn't turn out well. Yeah. I'm not going to dye my hair at home. I'm not going to cut my hair at home. So sometimes when you just can't deal on your own, you do have to get the professional's opinion you know, tying it back to some teaching, we've had a few students who just have not reached out, who have not communicated at all. And Mm -hmm. we just have to think, you know, there is no way for us to contact them really. Mm -hmm. Um, they're adults. Mm -hmm. And so we just have to think, man, I, I hope they're okay. And I hope Mm -hmm. they're not struggling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, and God, I hope they're fine. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting things is I think phone calls are making a comeback. Like yeah. I've had phone conversations I and know. Facebook chats. I know. Well, with all my friends too. I was always a phone girl and I had a couple girlfriends. Um, Jane, she lived in Calgary. My friend Tara lives in New York. We would, and Nicola and Bermuda, like the long distance people, we would do the phone yeah. thing every once in a while, do a big catch up. But the regular, your friends that you used to talk to, you know, for years on the phone, you don't talk to anymore. You text and you're so yeah. right. I'm like so grateful because we'll do the divas. We'll, we'll do like a Friday or a Saturday night zoom wine, you know, back to back 40 minute, 40 minute wine. And it's so great because, you know, we like to connect and as, as people do, but I know it's pretty funny. I like even my podcast, we get a whole, we've been talking almost an hour and 40 minutes, just gabbing away. I just want to say thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Yay! Frickin' Frag! Back to back 2021! And that's my conversation with Kathy. Thank you for listening and thank you to the fabulous Kathy Wilmot for joining me today from her home in Vancouver. You can visit Kathy's website at kathywilmot.com. That's spelled C-A-T-H-Y-W-I-L-M-O-T.com for her contact information should you require vocal or acting coaching or the next star in your theater production when the arts are back up and running, of course. I hope we made you smile and I hope you heard something positive from our chat today, whether it's being inspired to find balance in your career by partnering two passions and separate skill sets together as one for fuller opportunities, or with practicing awareness with your mental health in your day-to-day life or lives of others, or just being excited for Kathy and I to be reunited on stage together soon. Join me again next time for Allo on Location. Yay! That's a wrap, guys! Thank you so much for listening! I hope you had as much fun as I did. And remember, if you enjoyed some rosé along with me, make sure you don't drink and drive. The only place I go from my couch is to the kitchen or the bathroom. You can find me at www.irenecares.com forward slash podcast. You can follow me on my Facebook public page and Twitter at Irene Karras or on my Instagram at Irene Karras Loper. Thanks to my amazing husband for giving me my married name, aka Ilo. 
The Isle of On Location podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by me. God bless. Special thanks to my gorgeous nephew, Connor, aka Buddy, on iTunes for the original music. And thank you to my puppy, Charlotte, for being my most loyal listener and adding her two cents barking in the background. Join me again next time as I gab away with another one of my fabulous friends. Money ever got me red-handed.